Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. So, very recently we've seen uh, a lot of press on the pangolin and I think it's getting a bad rap because it's now starting to get the blame for transmitting the coronavirus into humans. And uh, Tim Neary is going to be talking to me in a short while. He's a conservationist and... Uh, the pangolin as we speak is the most heavily trafficked mammal in the world. Tim Neary joins me now on the line. A very good afternoon, Tim. Welcome to the show. Yeah, and compliments of the season to you. I think we can still say that at this time Ab- of the year, month. Absolutely. If you've been if, be, if you've been away, yes you can. We forgive you. <laughs> Tim, why are people smuggling and trafficking the pangolin? Well, I guess we've got to look at a number of issues. And, and pangolins, I mean, I think it was, I can't remember, it was one of King George's that was actually given a pangolin suit of armor at one stage. But pangolins are food. They are medicine. Uh, they are, are they? thought to have, uh, and I'm saying, I'll, I'll come back to that in a mo. but okay. they, they're thought to have mystical powers uh, there is a lot of mythology around pangolins. Mm-hmm. So in many parts of the world, particularly the east, it always seems to go back to the east, uh, the pangolin has, uh, it's revered for, for what you want. So you'll have pangolin fetuses, for example, as a, as a soup, uh, or else just young baby pangolins, whole pangolins floating in your soup bowl. So, uh, you know, you've got to be, you've got to understand that their beliefs are their beliefs, and unfortunately, this was fine when there were fewer humans on the planet and more pangolins. So, so let's get this straight. Um, pangolins are predominantly from uh, Southern Africa, Sub-Saharan no, Africa. No, Where are no, they no, from? no, not at all. Pangolins are Asian and, and African, and what's happened is that the Asians have effectively eaten their pangolins. Okay, so, so they've run they've, out of them. They've run out of pangolins, then they started to come our way. Okay, now, so has this been a practice? In other words, is, is this a new thing or this is something, it's an indigenous practice? No, it's an indigenous practice. Time immemorial that okay. they have used pangolins, but of course it's become more of the hoi polloi, you know. Mm. It's a little bit like um, rhino horn as an aphrodisiac when you then have a look at some of the writings that they've found where they've ground up Viagra and conveniently put it with the rhino horn so that it has some form of effect. The pangolin, there is no medicinal value to it. So its scales are like your fingernails, your hair. So there's no medicinal value to it whatsoever. Yeah, it's very hard to dispel uh, indigenous beliefs because, yeah. you know, if it's, if it's something that is linked to your spirituality, your religion and, and so on, you, you, it's hard to do that. Yeah, and I, th- I think this is one of the things where you know, sometimes I do run foul of my fellow conservationists because I don't always believe that we should take away mm. somebody's belief. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, But we need to get them to understand what the belief is about. Is there an alternative, like we did with the Warburgia salutaris, the pepperbark tree? We found an alternative way of using it that isn't destructive. And unfortunately, that's one of the things with the majority of these items is that they are destructive. So the harvesting is destructive. The whole animal gets taken. So, and Tim... Uh, look, I have a feeling if if it's an indigenous practice, um, 
there must have been a sustainable way to use these things, whether it's the scales or whatever it is, the fetuses. So, so isn't that maybe the solution to try and go back to, okay, perhaps we don't want you to stop using pangolin in your soup, but maybe we need to think about the fact that we can't afford it to run out. Ah, uh, yes, you see, unfortunately, we've gone past, we've tipped the scales. So, I, so I, just, I get with, it, I'm, with, trying, I'm trying to be optimistic here. <laughs> yeah, you're, I'm afraid you're not going to succeed in this little battle. Um, no, we've tipped the scales. We've got too many people, not enough pangolins. And we should most probably have realized that, I don't know, 50 years ago, maybe mm. 100 years ago, when we were starting to decimate the population in an area. And, you know, when we talk about sustainability of wildlife, mm-hmm. sustainability of wildlife is the wildlife in that region, mm. not trying to sustain... Um, Vietnam and China with pangolin components from Africa. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable. Mm. The African folk don't use the pangolin in the same way. They have a smaller need, a smaller medicinal need, etc., through, through the traditional healers. And they, if managed correctly, we could possibly say that they were uh, a, a uh, sustainable utilization. Because when we look at that as well, it is a slow utilization of a slow-growing animal. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we've got to remember that we kind of, you know, made a muck of it ourselves as well because we started to put up big electric game fences. And the pangolin's natural reaction, just mm-hmm. for interest, is to go to, to turn itself into a ball. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. actually seen lions playing with a pangolin like a yes, soccer ball. yeah. You know, banging it from one foot to the other, the little guys. And, of course, it's because that's its natural reaction. So it gets a shock, it gets around the electric fence, and it is then, it becomes destructive. But, unfortunately, we've got to the same with everything that we do in our our world. And we can't only look at the pangolin. It's, It's right across. It's abalone. It's sharks. You name it. We've actually got to the point where our utilization of the animal, for whatever reason, has in fact become totally destructive and it's on almost every species is on a negative growth once we get to that then it is too late to try and convince people to turn around and go backwards and unfortunately again we 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 love to turn around and say ah but it's the it's the uh, the folk who don't know any better it's those uneducated in inverted commas people who are using this animal to destruction and then when we find the guys that are actually looking into this and doing the movies, doing the research work, they find that it isn't them at all. Mm. It's more of a middle area mm. where there is a vast amount of money. And I yeah. think that's one of the other items is years ago, be it a traditional healer in China and Vietnam or Africa, he would have required a pangolin and used it the way that he wanted to use it, he or she, <clears throat> Right. Now we've got to the point where it is also, unfortunately, it is big business and it is driven by, by crime. So, so, Tim, we also know that, as you said, it's big business, it's crime, not, I mean, big crime syndicates. Absolutely. But we also know that these guys, the big guns, are connected to bigger people, right? So we've seen this. So when you and I have a conversation like this and my neighbor and your neighbor and, you know, whoever else is in the car listening understands and gets this and, uh, you know, is this really going to help? Because the guys that are actually behind this are super connected and they are, it's, it's big bucks. And 
one almost gets the feeling that there is not much we can do, or is there? Well, you see, that's my concern, is I don't think there is. And, and, and that's, that's the worry. It might, might not be in my lifetime or your lifetime, but very likely in your children's lifetime, that the, the end of the species will come. Because when we go out, and I think there's a very good article at the moment where they say, during COVID, they are stockpiling the components. Yep. Yeah. And they're doing that for everything. Because the market is depleted. There's not enough money to buy it. So it's, looking, it's, it's kind of a Bitcoin of the wildlife, so to speak. But what we have do is we have these wonderful programs where we're going to go out to the rural folk or the, 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 the man yeah. in his rice paddy, and we're going to educate him mm. that there is no further need for pangolin components. But we're not educating the criminal. Mm. We're not educating the poacher. Mm. And we're not going to change that. So whilst we've got the best intentions at the one end, mm. we've got who we think are using the product at mm. the other end. Mm. It's that middle base that we're not going to change. There's too much money involved. And where there's money, there's corruption. Where there's corruption, there is greed. And at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to change that with the best will in the world. Listen Unless to we start to put every single pangolin on the planet in a zoo. And then we've lost the plot completely. Yeah, but Tim, people like yourselves get into this thing to save the world. What are you on about? So, I mean, well, you sound like you've given up already. So, well, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's actually quite interesting how one changes as one goes. You know, yeah. you start out saving the bugs and bunnies. Mm. And then you realize it's more about mankind saving himself through his own stupidity. And that's when you realize that the plot is kind of lost. And, you know, and, and we, we can go through this with the best intentions in the, in the, in the world. And there are species, there, are, there is a natural extinction base of species. Unfortunately, it's always been brought about by an asteroid or a huge climatic change. Some calamity has brought it about. This time it's a real destructive, as they call it, the sixth extinction. It is a destructive force brought about by mankind. And, you know, is it a psychopath that has absolutely no feeling? Well, unfortunately, the poacher, the, the criminal syndicate, etc., no feeling whatsoever. Why should they worry? Because they're only looking at the money that they are amassing under their mattress. I'm not too sure if they're going to be able to take that off to the pearly gates. But, you know, that's what, that's what people are doing. It's that short-term short-sightedness. And we have it right across everything. We, we are anti-sharks, and, and you'll find that some of the stuff is because it has been traded, others is because it is a nuisance to us, and we become very anti to it. And we don't understand that all of it is a simple link in the chain, and that whole chain includes mankind. So okay. therein, you know, that becomes a, a whole basis. Until we can look at things in a holistic way, until we stop saving one species, but we look at what do we do to enable us and the species to live in a relative peaceful basis within a biodiversity that supports both of us. Mm. And then that becomes an issue. You know, okay. It doesn't matter what we're looking at. So on Christmas Eve, <laughs> we saw a birth of a pangolin after 40 years in the wild here at a private game reserve here in KZN. Does that yes. thrill you or not, really? Yeah, I, I, look, I know the reserve. <laughs> I know the pangolins, I know the history. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's a case of, it, it was a, no, a known return of the pangolin to that area. Mm. 
So, you know, we, we know that in the Kalahari there are pangs pangolins that breed down in the Karoo. They are breeding units of pangolins. They're very secretive little animals. Mm -hmm. You must also realize that, you know, when you talk to people that, that are wildlife in, or involved in wildlife in any way, you have a handful that have seen pangolins and you have a thousand that only wish they could. And it's always been like that. They've always been secretive animals. And that's one of the other issues that we have. They're they not fast breeding. They only, they only produce one youngster at a time, usually one youngster, every now and again a bit more, but usually only one youngster at a time. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you, when you suddenly go out and you take off 10 pangolins in, in maybe 1,000 hectares, you've done, done a complete destruction to that area. Mm -hmm. So okay. that's where, that's where it, it's that understanding of the holistic kickback and then you wonder, why do we have uh, an explosion of termites? Because we've got no more uh, pangolin control. Oh. So it, it's to understand the whole item that goes through. Yeah. You will look at degraded landscapes, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. and then wonder what's wrong. Mm -hmm. It's because you've got no white rhino walking across, mowing the grass and pooping out fertilized seeds at the other end. Mm -hmm. So it becomes that whole, for you and I to understand the holistic basis is wonderful. But it's to get everybody to understand that holistic basis. Doesn't matter whether it's water, yeah. pangolins, rhino, or in fact the birds in your garden. Okay, let's let's take some voice notes. There's a voice note coming through. Tim, take a listen. Hi, Pamel. In uh, it was reported in Denmark that uh, 17 million uh, mink minks were culled uh, because of. Uh, the uh, variant of uh, COVID-2 found in, on some of those farms, uh, 289 farms. Apparently, uh, not all the farms were, effect were affected, but uh, uh, the government took no chances and uh, culled all 17 million animals uh, in order not to uh, take any chances, uh, according to the BBC. Thanks, Frank Maritzburg. All right, let me go to Mohammed in Ekuruleni before you respond, Tim. Hi, Mohammed. Hi, uh, Pamela, how are you? Good, thanks. Go ahead, Mohammed. Uh, uh, Pamela, uh, if mankind is the major problem towards the other animals that we share the planet with, mm. and we have an economic model that's profit and money-based, mm. and the general human population says, well, hey, that's just the way it is, you know, when it comes to those kind of profit at any cost economic models. Mm. We should actually look at ourselves as to contributing to our apathy to change the model as how we are harming our fellow uh, uh, inhabitants of the planet. Thanks for that, Thank uh, Mohammed. Thanks very much for that. Bye. Okay, Tim, I mean, this is a very uh, depressing conversation. <laughs> this is a very depressing conversation. What does that mean to you? Yeah, uh, let's, let's look at those minks just for, for, for interest. Um, they, are, they were farmed, they were commercially farmed, uh, and interestingly enough, some of them escaped. So, and, and the escapees have actually set up over years, have set up quite a good wildlife population. But that was mostly, I, I think COVID has got everybody very, very rattled when it comes to these items. So maybe the minks were able to pass it back. But, you know, we've got to realize that zoonotic diseases have been the downfall of man for... I guess since God was a lad, you know, it's been all the way back. Think of the great plagues and all that we had. None of those were anything else other than zoonotic diseases. So when we start worrying about pangolin providing uh, yet another pandemic to us, um, oh dear, 
you know, well, maybe about that mossy in your garden might be doing exactly the same thing. And if we're going to start looking over our shoulder and then removing wildlife because it poses a threat to man, well, man is just purely going to eventually implode. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, that, that's kind of a given because we, we just keep on using our resources, not worrying at all about where they're going to come from or how we're going to replace them. So, you know, it, it, is, it is a very scary thing. And yes, unfortunately, you know, we talk about species and we say it's commercial value. So we, we've got a lovely one where things are brought back from the brink of extinction by hunters because of their commercial value. Because they just want to really look at them on the wall. If they didn't want to look at them on the wall, they wouldn't be bringing them back. So you know, here we go yet again. It means that if it pays, it stays. And bear in mind that man is the only mammal on the planet that is not managed. That's kind of a scary thought. So you can have X number of cows, sheep, horses, etc. per hectare on your farm and, and X number of bockies on your farm. And from the number of bockies, you can have X amount of predators. And that means that everybody is sustainable and you're not having to create food and put food into the camp so that people can eat. Well, of course, man doesn't do that. We just keep on eating the planet one mouthful at a time. That's a little bit how do you eat an elephant? Slowly. But, but it's really what we are doing. It's actually quite concerning. <laughs> are we going to change it? I don't know that we are. And I think that's, that's one, of the, one of the biggest scary parts. And, you know, we look at the land and we worry about the land dramatically. Our seas are in a terrible state. Mm. And yet when we look at that ocean, we are lulled into that form of sort of self-reliance and self-happiness uh, because the tides change every eight hours or whatever it is. The tides change. They come and they go. We look at the top of the water. It looks great. When we start going underneath, it's not looking as great as it used to. Mm. And it comes down to being overgrazed or whatever we want to call it. And our man and, and sort of our landscapes, unfortunately, are more obvious to us yeah. because they're right in front of us. You know, and, and yeah, are, are we going to change this? How are we going to change it, Miller? And that's, that's the, the tremendously important thing. Poverty, it's been around forever, and I sadly believe it's going to be around forever as well. Oh, I look forward to a better conversation with you, Tim Neri. No, come on, we've got to have good conversations. <laughs> yeah, we'll find no, some wonderful ones yeah, to talk will. about. Thanks, Tim. Tim Neri there, nature conservationist.